0: Um, so last week we looked at how God's deliverer is mirroring Israel, how Samson's lust for women is Israel's lust for idols. Both Samson and Israel have assimilated so much into the Philistine culture that they no longer are living as the distinct people of God. Samson and Israel don't care about what's right in God's eyes, they only care about what is right in their own eyes. So, Israel, we saw, is on the verge of becoming spiritually extinct unless God intervenes and does something about it. And what God does is He works through Samson's sin to create conflict with the Philistines in order to free Israel from the Philistines. And here's a question that I want us to think about before we look at the climax of the Samson story. Is the story of Samson tragic or is it triumphant? See, last week I wanted us to find great comfort in the fact that God uses sinful, flawed people. Samson's not a godly man in any way. Samson is an impulsive, emotionally immature, self-centered, violent man who's addicted to sex. Samson cannot control himself in any regard. He lacks absolutely all self-control. He wants what he wants when he wants it, and nothing's going to stand in his way from getting it. He displays no faith in God, but rather strong faith in himself. So with a character so flawed, how and why would God use somebody like him? Answer, because he's a God of grace and mercy. He's not confined to a box where he has to use only good people, right? And what did we see last week? And I told you, there are no good people. The only people he has to work with are sinners. So I wanted us to see hopefully, that Samson would dispel our false view that God only uses those who have the right beliefs and the right behaviors. Because the story of Samson, what did it show us? That God is at work in all of our life circumstances, no matter what they are, even amidst our sin and the mess it creates. So, why am I stressing this again? Because this is a tragic story. Samson's sin is going to lead to his humiliation and downfall, and it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch this larger-than-life figure become the laughingstock of the Philistines. But maybe through Samson's humiliation, we will see God's triumph and his purposes. So. I debated. I, it's long. Yeah, you're going to stay seated. We're going to read chapter 16, and I'm, I'm going to skip around uh, and then fill in the the gaps as we go. All right, Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her, and the, Gaz, the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, so they surrounded the place. They set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. And they kept quiet all night saying, let us wait until the light of the morning and then we will kill him. But Samson lay until midnight. And at midnight he arose and he took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and he pulled them up, bar and post included, and he put them on his shoulders and he carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. That's almost 40 miles away just so that you know. (laughs) He's going through the desert and over mountains, carrying the gates of the city of Gaza on his shoulders. And then after this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, seduce him and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to humble him and we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and, how, we may, and how, I may, or how you may be bound so that one could subdue you. So he tells her a lie three times. She requests three times, but then here's what happens. Every time she would wake him up and say, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he would wake up and whatever he said to her, didn't work. Okay, three times. You'd think he'd get it, but he doesn't. And then the, verse 10, Delilah says to Samson, Behold, you've mocked me and you told me these lies. Please tell me how you may be bound. And then he said, All right, with well, the last one? Nope. Dude, it's verse. Here it is, 15. She said to him, How can you say, I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he said to her all his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all in his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up again, for he has told me all in his heart, which means this time it's different. He told me the truth this time. And then notice, he made, her, made him sleep on her knees, so he's got his head in her lap. And just so that you know, it's, the Hebrew here is tricky. It sounds like it's referring to she called another man to come in, but I think it's really she's the one who cut the hair off of his head while he's asleep in her lap. And then, verse 20, she said, The Philippines are upon you, Samson! And he awoke from his sleep, and he said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him, And the Philistines seized him. They gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now, the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them. And they made him stand between the pillars. And then Samson said to the young man who held And by the hand who led him out by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now, the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, and on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained them. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And then he bowed with all of his strength, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. And then his brothers and all his family came down and they took him and they brought him up and they buried him between Zorah and Ashtael in the tomb of Manoah his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let's jump in. Let's get one thing straight um, right off the bat. I would never allow Samson near my daughter. Okay? But when we've been covering this story, (laughs) isn't there something kind of weirdly endearing about samson there's something about him that causes us to want to root for him and maybe it's you know because we're somewhat familiar with the story we know he's been set apart to be israel's deliverer so what do we automatically think he's a good guy but is he I mean, if he's mirroring Israel, is he really the good guy? I mean, we overlook his faults, don't we? We overlook his faults because he seems so buffoonish and gullible at times. I mean, he's this larger in life figure. So we overlook the fact that God doesn't reject him even though he's rejected God. Why do we see the reality that Samson is not a good deliverer, (laughs) right? He's probably the worst of any of the judges. We see he's not a good deliverer. Why? Because he in no way leads Israel to freedom, and he in no way leads Israel into obedience to God. And yet, (laughs) don't we have this
1: strange sympathy and empathy for Samson?
0: Could it be... That what we gravitate towards is the reality that he's not some mystical, made-up figure. He's a human being.
1: A man who has superhuman strength,
0: but who's weak just like the rest of us. See, all week I kept asking, man, why do I like this guy? (laughs) And why... Why do I find him endearing? And I think the answer lies not in his life and his superhuman feats. I think the answer lies in his death. Samson's humiliation and death shows us his humanity. And I want us to see how we get here. Look at verses 1 through (laughs) 3. Where is he? Well, we find him in the arms of a prostitute. Of course we do. And notice he's been with her all day, but notice where? Where is this prostitute? Gaza. What's so significant about that? Gaza's the capital of the Philistines. It's the capital city. And what happens? Well, (laughs) they find out that he's there, and they're all waiting and hiding to ambush and then kill him when he comes out. So Samson is either reckless here, or he's way overconfident, or because of his lust for women, he simply just doesn't care. Which other way, I don't know, but he's, what's happened, he's surrounded by all these men who have locked the city gates and are waiting to kill him, and then he just gets up in the middle of the night, walks right to the entrance, grabs the doors, and in Herculean fashion rips them up puts it on their shoulders, and carries them some 40 miles to the city of Hebron. Now, (laughs) this is signaling a couple of things, isn't it? Isn't it Samson saying to the Philistines, you can't touch me. (laughs) I can do whatever I want. I just ripped out your defense. You had me surrounded, thinking you're going to kill me, and you can't even touch me. But isn't it also showing Israel the power of God over his enemies? See, again, this is a, that's a fun scene, but it's not why he's endearing to us, which leads us to the famous story with Delilah. <laughs> they have a weird relationship, don't they? And this is absolutely fascinating. I did not know this until one commentator drew attention to it. Delilah's name means weak. She makes men weak. But her name also sounds like the Hebrew word for night, darkness. And remember what Samson's name means: son, little S-U-N. So Samson's the bringer of the day, Well, Delilah's the lady of the night who makes him weak. So right from the start, isn't it clear that they're both just using each other, though? <laughs> I mean, Samson's using her for sexual favors. She's using him for possible fame and fortune, right? I mean, could you imagine the honor she would get as being the woman who brought the mighty Samson down? And then what they say, each of them would pay 1,100 pieces of silver. That is a whole, she'd be set up for life. So what's going on? This is not self-giving to each other. This isn't self-sacrifice, serving each other for their good. No, This is not, I love you and I want to serve you. This is, no, you're going to benefit me, so I'm going to use you. And as long as you're profitable to me, I'll keep you. But when you're not, I'm going to kick you to the curb. So, I mean, I got to ask, well, not ask. I'm just going to, can I just point out the obvious? How in the world can he be so foolish? I mean, he didn't learn with the unnamed woman from Timnah. He didn't learn with the prostitute in Gaza. And he doesn't learn with Delilah.
1: Kind of like how Israel never
0: learned from their idols. Israel never learned idols are not friends. (laughs) Idols don't care about you. They want you to worship and serve them so they can destroy you. See, doesn't Samson's continual foolishness drive this point home? I mean, seriously. Okay. Wouldn't you think if you're at your girlfriend's house and she's got a bunch of thugs in another room waiting to jump you, wouldn't you say, Hey, I don't think you really care about me? (laughs) Wouldn't you tune into the fact and think,
1: You're just using me. You're trying to destroy me. Three times this happens. So why does Samson foolishly keep
0: believing her? Why in the world does he trust someone who is proven three times to be untrustworthy? Well, look at verses 15 to 17. Why in the world did he tell her all that was in his heart and give his secret away? And because he did, what happens in verses 18 through 19? She cuts off his hair while he's asleep in her lap. And then he awakes and discovers that his strength has left him. Why would Samson trust and believe in someone who has proven that they don't really care about him? So, do you see what's really happening with this story? Doesn't the Samson and Delilah story show us that whatever seduces
1: you? is what takes your strength away. Whatever seduces you is what takes your strength away and makes you weak. Who here is not like Simpson? (laughs) Who here has not thought, I'm strong!
0: And then you get seduced by something and it proves just how weak you really are. You see, maybe Samson is so endearing because we know we're just like him. We identify with him. But it's hard to watch, isn't it? And then for some of us, see, we may not want to face the fact that we're just like Samson. And so if this is you, Can I just say to you that you're going to miss the power in this text? You're not going to connect with it. But to see it, what do we have to do? We've got to face Samson's humiliation. Did you notice that the Philistines didn't want to kill him? They wanted to capture him.
1: Not so they would kill him, but so they
0: could make a public mockery of him. They wanted to belittle him. They wanted to shame him. They wanted to humiliate him. They wanted Samson to feel in the core of his being, you're worthless. You're nobody.
1: You're beneath me. We defeated you. This kind of shame and humiliation is worse than death, isn't it? To feel that you're less than.
0: To feel insignificant and worthless. To constantly be reminded you're defeated and you're beneath us. See, look at how they do it in verse 21. They gouge out his eyes. They bring him bound to Gaza So they can make public sport of him as a slave who grinds the grain like an animal. But then it gets worse in verses 23 through 27. They wanted to mock Israel's God, didn't they? They had this great feast and this celebration so they can worship the power of their God, Dagon, over Israel's God, Yahweh. They held a great celebration. They rejoiced. Our God has given Samson our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And they called for Samson to come out to entertain them,
1: and he did. Why
0: is Samson so endearing to us? Could it be because we all know the experience of being shamed and made to feel like we're worthless? Could it be that we all know the humiliation of our weakness? See, whatever seduces us, it doesn't just take our strength away and make us weak, it humiliates us. And some of you have been seduced by sin And right now, you are experiencing the deep, humiliating shame of it. It does not have to be an epic failure or a public disgrace. It could be that broken promise to God that I'll never do that sin again, and then you find yourself doing that sin again. It can be that condemning voice you always hear. You're worthless. You're nobody. God cannot love somebody like you. Look at how many times you fail him. God's going to leave you just like he left Samson. If this is you, can I, can I say directly to you, if you are hearing a condemning or accusing voice, it's not God's. It's not God's.
1: It's the voice of God's enemies.
0: If you hear the condemning or accusing voice of humiliation and shame, it is not from God. It is from sin, it is from your flesh, it is from the devil. All are acting and treating you like the Philistines are treating Samson. I'm going to come back to that later, but we got to see something first. Why did Samson trust Delilah? Why did he tell her his secret, which led to the loss of his strength? Answer, verse 20. I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. See, Samson didn't believe that the cutting of his hair would actually take away his strength. (laughs) He has relied so many times on his strength that he thinks, I could never lose it. I will always have it. See, Samson thinks his strength is his own. He thinks his strength is connected to himself. I generate my own strength. I'm the source of my strength.
1: I am strength.
0: And nothing can touch me. Or I could say it this way. Samson's a victim of his own success, isn't he? all the successes I've had in the past are going to be no different than right now. I will always be strong. Now, there are some of you here who are like Samson. You still think you're strong. You still think strength is connected to you. You still think, man... I'm strong because I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm a self-made man. I'm not weak. I'm not needy. Holy cow. If this is you, can I just say simply that you will never connect to God until you discover what Samson discovered? And if you do not discover what Samson discovered Then you are on the same path of Samson, and it will lead to your humiliation and downfall. It will.
1: See, what did Samson not know? He didn't know that the Lord had left him. And there it is. Samson's strength was never in his hair. Samson's strength was never in himself. It was always connected to
0: the Lord. See, when the lion roared, what happened? The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. When he goes down to Askelon and kills the 30 men, what happened? The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. When Israel bound him and handed him over to the Philistines, what happened? The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. Samson's power was never in himself, never. It has always been from the Lord, and this is why he's so endearing to me. Because in his humiliation, Samson finally has the eyes to see it. Samson is a man who trusts in his own strength. He's been a man for his whole life who did what was right in his eyes. And now that his eyes are gouged out, he for the first time clearly sees.
1: I'm weak. And I
0: need to trust in the strength of another. (sighs) See, here is Samson. He's humiliated. He's mocked. He's made a public spectacle of. He's brought out to entertain all the most important people in Gaza. 3,000 men and women are gathered on top of the roof with hundreds more on the ground, right? What are they all doing? They're all gloating. They're all celebrating Dagon's apparent defeat of Yahweh. All of them are high on the drug of Samson's humiliation and downfall. So the... The buzz in the air is electric when he comes out to entertain them. And he's brought out by a young man. So everybody's laughing at him. Everybody's mocking him. Everybody's thinking, what a pathetic fool. And then Samson tells the boy, let me feel the pillars on which this house rests, that I may lean against them. And for the second time in his life, Samson prayed to Yahweh. Oh, Lord God,
1: please remember me
0: and give me strength only this once. See, don't miss this. He's calling out to capital L-O-R-D, which means he is calling on the covenant name of God. Yahweh. He's calling on God's chesed name, God's loyal love, his faithful, his grace and mercy name. He's calling on the one who graciously promised to save his people no matter what. He's calling on the name of the God of grace and mercy. In his humiliation and weakness, Samson cries out to the God who graciously gives his strength. In other words, what happens? Samson finally connects with God. Samson connects to God by trusting in the gracious strength of God. See, this is fascinating. Samson's
1: weakness is the soil that cultivated and produced faith. Samson's weakness is the soil that cultivated and produced faith.
0: Which means what? With his eyes gouged out, Samson finally saw his need for God. In his humiliation and weakness, he cried out to the God of strength, which means Samson finally stopped trusting in his own strength. And now he's resting in God's strength. Oh, Lord, God, please remember me. Samson has been humbled so low that he knows he's easy to forget. Right? He doesn't deserve for God to remember him or even consider him. Samson now has the eyes to see it's a grace strength.
1: I can't generate this on my own. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it.
0: And I'm resting that God will freely give it. In other words, Samson finally trusts in God. And look what happens in verse 30, we're told with his hand against the pillars, he bowed with all of his strength and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those he had killed in his life, which means the most important moment in Samson's life is his death.
1: The most faithful moment in Samson's life was his death.
0: See, Samson did not deliver Israel in his life. He delivered Israel in his death. See, all throughout Judges, God saves by many, right? At the very beginning, when the tribes united, God saved. And then with Deborah and Barak, he saves with thousands. And then with Gideon, he saves with 300. Here with our last judge, he saves with one.
1: One. If Samson is endearing to us because of his weakness and his humiliation, then shouldn't we adore and love Jesus Because of his weakness and his humiliation, the one who is strength itself
0: became weak. The king of glory who created all things took on flesh and allowed those that he created to parade him out for their sick entertainment. Jesus was mocked, he was laughed at, he was spit upon, he was tortured, he was humiliated by those he created. And while hanging naked upon the cross, was he not heaped with shame upon shame upon shame? And then
1: darkness overtook him when his father left him, to be rejected and forsaken. This is why for some,
0: Jesus' death is a tragedy. Because unlike Samson, Jesus did a lot of good with his life, and he was killed for it. So they think it's a tragedy. But just like Samson, Isn't Jesus' death God's triumph? You see, what happened on the cross when God's enemies seem to have won the day, when they're gloating, when they're celebrating the apparent defeat of God, sin,
1: darkness, death, and the devil
0: were at the same time disarmed. You see, on the cross, what happened? Jesus received the penalty for all of our idolatry, all of it. And because he did, what does this mean? Satan no longer has a case, he no longer has a case.
1: He cannot accuse, he cannot condemn. He's been silenced. What about sin
0: and death? Well, they no longer have enslaving power over us. Why? Because in weakness, Jesus became
1: our humiliation and shame. He became it. Why? So we could graciously have God's favor and love. Are you still blind like Samson? Or do you have the eyes to see? Do you want to connect
0: with God? Then embrace your weakness and trust in the strength of Jesus. In humility, cry out, oh God, remember me. Oh God, forgive me. Oh God, strengthen me with your spirit. Oh God, save and deliver me from what my sins deserve. Or I could say it the way the writer of Hebrews says, what more can I say about Samson?
1: He was made strong through weakness. Amen.